Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine. Hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You've got a genius five-year-old and it sounds like a genius. Is he nine or 10 now? He's 11. He has like hair growing on his little legs. It's super weird. Don't even talk about it. I can't bear it. I keep huffing Henry's neck, just (laughs) trying to catch the last tiny scent of babyhood, of childhood. Yep. But it's obviously absurd because he's now a strapping dude. How old is he? He's 13. I mean, it's very nice of him to let me huff his neck. (laughs) He's really like a sort of Labrador, just sort of... I was going to say, I do that to my dog's ears. There's like a gaminess. Yeah, you just want to... It lives right in there. It's right where their neck meets the back of their ear. It's exactly right. And by the way, one day I'll write a paper on the parallel between Labradors and boys and that having a Labrador is a really good precursor to having a baby boy. (laughs) Hello, I'm Minnie Driver. Welcome to Mini Questions Season 2. I've always loved Proust's questionnaire. It was originally a 19th century parlor game where players would ask each other 35 questions aimed at revealing the other player's true nature. It's just the scientific method, really. In asking different people the same set of questions, you can make observations about which truths appear to be universal. I love this discipline. And it made me wonder, what if these questions were just the jumping off point? What greater depths would be revealed if I asked these questions as conversation starters with thought leaders and trailblazers across all these different disciplines? So I adapted Proust's questionnaire and I wrote my own seven questions that I personally think are pertinent to a person's story. They are, when and where were you happiest? 
What is the quality you like least about yourself? What relationship, real or fictionalized, defines love for you? What question would you most like answered? What person, place or experience has shaped you the most? What would be your last meal? And can you tell me something in your life that's grown out of a personal disaster? And I've gathered a group of really remarkable people, ones that I am honored and humbled to have had the chance to engage with. You may not hear their answers to all seven of these questions. We've whittled it down to which questions felt closest to their experience or the most surprising or created the most fertile ground to connect. My guest today on Mini Questions is Shazi Vizram. Shazi is an extraordinary American entrepreneur, investor and philanthropist, probably best known as the founder of Happy Family Organics and Healthy Nest, two companies which were started with the purpose of helping parents raise healthier babies. Shazi's work has been influenced by her own parenting experiences, raising her son who is on the spectrum of autism and her daughter who is neurotypical. We had such an interesting conversation about parenting and about life and about being a woman who works. And I find her incredibly inspiring because she's she's one of those people who we say in the back of our mind, how do they do it all? And she's vulnerable enough to let you see that she can do it all, but it is very, very hard. It was a great conversation. I hope you enjoy it. What question would you most like answered? This one's easy. You know when you like blow out a candle and make your wish? Mm -hmm. My wish has been for mm, nine years now, and it will always be until it's answered, is what is going to be the novel therapy that heals my son of his autism, that allows him to be independent? What is it going to be? Because I have watched in the last year and change this world come up with COVID vaccines COVID treatments to a pandemic that has like rocked us all. But I have watched in my own life this epidemic of autism skyrocket. And when Zane was diagnosed, it was one in 168. And actually, April 1st of last year, the CDC in the US released data that's two years old based on, so before it was one in 59, and now it's one in 54. And that happened in two years. So I'm looking at one in 54 babies born in the United States will get an autism diagnosis. And remember, it's a spectrum. But in my world, the spectrum is one where I fear for the worst and hope for the best. And I just I want my son to be independent and be able to show his gifts because he's actually the smartest person in the world. But he's stuck in this body that doesn't allow him to show that, you know, sometimes, a lot of times. Given the prevalent, the like the hyper prevalence and those numbers are just shocking that you've just said, or why do you think there isn't the research and answers to those questions when you're right? When people get motivated and galvanized, we can come up with extraordinary stuff. So why do you think they haven't around this? Well, I mean, I'm not a neuroscientist and I'm not a geneticist, but what happens is, you know, let's say with COVID-19, you have a virus that you can identify. We know what it looks like. It's very specific with autism Autism is the result, is a set of symptoms that present based on a trigger. And I think for every unique being, the trigger can be very different. And it's epigenetic and it's a confluence of so many things. So you don't think it's just environmental, like there's been so many theories as to what it is? I do think it's environmental, but there are a trillion things in the environment that can make a difference. And also your specific genetic Genetic makeup. makeup, right? that is evolving based on how it's interacting with that environment. 
So it's a moving target. And yet there are things, and I can only speak from my friends who have children on the spectrum, the things that I've seen firsthand that make a difference, like food, can make a huge difference. I've seen that. 1,000%, because that's one of the many things that you could say are sort of ancillary to having this diagnosis is that, like, I believe it's almost half of children with autism have gut issues. Hmm. And if the tissue of the brain is the same tissue of the gut, and if there is inflammation in the gut, there can or will likely be inflammation in the brain. So removing things that are a trigger from inflammation is certainly like step one. I mean, that's like table stakes, you know, it's like gluten and dairy, uh, you know, are triggers for inflammation. And I've seen it make a massive difference behaviorally that one wouldn't immediately think. But there's so much more. And we've done so many different therapies and some are wows for us and some have zero effect, but they might be a wow for a friend of mine who has a son, you know, because if they say if you've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism. Huh. Oh, God, it's frustrating. It's frustrating that that's how it is. But that's my question. And I know we can answer it. I know some things that can either prevent or ameliorate an autism outcome. And I practiced it because we have a daughter. So my daughter Asha is five. I think during the pandemic, the world has shifted to talking about mental health in a way that has never been as open and clear. I mean, I I don't even know you. You and I don't know each other. I'm sharing with you enough to be, you know, it's like a therapy session. And I almost do that with anybody I join a Zoom with lately. I've noticed that having done this through the pandemic, I think that's exactly what it is. A wall or a membrane that always kept us slightly separate from what we are feeling and the need to process and process quickly to accommodate what was happening circumstantially. I hope it's gone for good. I mean, it feels a lot more raw, but it feels closer to figuring out a lot of stuff and also it becoming typicalized, you know, talking about mental health. Well, it's like human and kindness. And my point is, if we can now have this shift to be talking about mental health and address it proactively, then let's look at developmental health, because to me, that's the epidemic that is facing our future far larger than the pandemic that I hope becomes endemic and is temporary, but the epidemic of neurological health, I mean, if it's one in six children in the United States, I don't know what it is elsewhere, but one in six will get a developmental diagnosis. It's shocking when you say it like that, but what's shocking on top of that is there are no protocols. Like you have to have a mother like you or a mother like my friends or fathers like my friends with kids with developmental differences, pushing and finding and asking and seeking and navigating while they're still trying to make a living, keep the home, the lights turned on, take care of other children, that we haven't got systems in place societally. When numbers look like that, it feels bananas. And I I hope that changes at the very least to start It was interesting, my friend who moved from America to England, England, they got it locked down a lot tighter. And I'm sure it's because it's a smaller country and because we have, you know, socialized stuff isn't seen as communism in England. But there's a protocol which makes you feel safe. So it makes you feel stronger. I watched her be empowered as a parent, as opposed to flailing in a sea of information that was impossible to navigate through when she was fearful and tired and trying to take care of her kid. So maybe that's it. Maybe like the basic logistics, maybe it will start there. But I just, I wonder if like it's often, there was this cartoon I loved when I was a kid where aliens came and took over Earth and it was a complete nightmare and the world was over and the human race was going to be over and everything was done for. And then an alien got a cold and it spread through their ranks 
and the cold was why the aliens left Earth. I wonder if it's something that is incredibly boring and typical and normal and to do with just like a fundamental logistic, which will open up the whole kind of arena. Like if we start with like the, just the little tiny things. Have you heard of that? I mean, I'm sure you have canaries in a coal mine analogy. Oh, yeah. To me, that that is actually the same as your aliens, because that's what our children are. They're vulnerable. They have one way of presenting this information. Are they going to sing or are they not going to sing? Hmm. And you send this canary into a coal mine and it'll tell you whether or not it's safe. And when the canaries are not well, that is the human wake-up call that we need to clean it all up. I mean, that's my life's work, so. Hello, Jamila Jamil here. You may know me from my role in The Good Place or from She-Hulk or from social media and my activism. I Weigh basically started as a social movement and my podcast is one of my truly greatest achievements. It's a podcast against shame and a place for us to have really honest and truly inclusive conversations. I love connecting with people. I love learning. I have a lot to learn and I'm inviting you along with me. On I Weigh with Jamila Jamil, I have friends, activists, specialists and absolute heroes join me to teach me from their experience and expertise. People like Conan O'Brien, Jane Fonda, Roxanne Gay, Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Byer, Alok, Kelly Roland and more. I Weigh with Jamila Jamil has new episodes out every Tuesday and you can find the show on earwolf.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women. And this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody, welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder, 
But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What relationship, real or fictionalized, defines love for you? I had a really cool dad. I mean, he was not just a great dad, but he was like the coolest person I've ever met. I think the way that he showed me love, which is unique, because he was like my best friend, but he was was older when he had me, and just super wise, and then he's like, he was just really funny, like he would just drop these bombs and everyone would be laughing, and he just was just so chill and cool and smart but practically illiterate. And, you know, I grew up, so my parents were Muslim. And in that world, you know, a girl is less likely than a boy to be successful. And my dad's best compliment to me was like that I was like 10 sons. It was like not just that he loved me, but it was that he constantly reminded me that I could do anything. And I I know that it comes from being the daughter of immigrants. I feel like I've always been given this duty to make the world a better place because I've seen them do that. And I know that that was their highest purpose in life was to help other people. I think that I have superpowers to change the world. Like, I think I can move mountains. I've been told that ever since I was little. Like, my dad would say, Shazi, you are a lion. And like, I just always think that way. And I mean, I grew up in a motel room in Alabama, but I'm still a lion. And so when I think I can do something, I will just, I'll do it. And it's like when you love someone so much that you want them to have not just the best in life, but like you will sacrifice anything so that that person can have that opportunity. That's big. And I saw him do that for me for so many years. So you think that sacrifice is the major cornerstone of love? I think it's not the necessity, but it's the willingness to put someone else ahead of you for their happiness or their potential. There's something beautiful about that. And while you're doing it to be laughing and having fun, like you can't beat that. Right, that's it. To be laughing and having fun while you're making people feel good about themselves. That would be amazing. I would like that for my old age, certainly. I had an older dad as well. I think they just, they're just not going through so much of their own shit. I always felt like my dad is like, God, you know, you staying out till 11.30 when I told you to be home at 10, it was low on the list of his, this is going to totally fuck up your life. What I loved was that he'd sort of lived through the Second World War and through PTSD and through rebuilding his body and his life and his everything to come to this point where he had a little daughter when he was 50. And he was kind of like, well, you're amazing, you know, and you're a pain in my ass. But (laughs) they didn't take everything quite so seriously is the wrong word. I don't know what the word is, but he never made me sweat stuff that he was still working through himself. Yeah, a little. My dad was a truck driver. He drove a like a semi truck in the Mount Kilimanjaro region of Africa. He grew up with dirt floors under his feet. And I met people at his funeral 
that met him one time on the side of the road in Africa that came to his funeral in Alabama. Wow. Like it was like one of those people that just left you better after one conversation. That wisdom and that, I don't know, it was like, it was just like super charming. And to be so grounded and be able to be that charming and after having, he's had like a lot of hardship. And yeah, he didn't sweat the small stuff because it literally was like a gnat. It was like nothing when you've seen those things. It's amazing how they continue to be fuel for you. You know, our parents, or they continue to be fuel even after they've gone. That's also their selfless gift in a way. Like it carries on even after they die, the good ones. Yeah, there's some things we don't want to carry on. It's one thing I learned more recently is that I didn't do this when I had either of my children. But now I'm like a really big proponent of sitting down with your partner or however you're going to bring new life into the world and saying like, what, what is my mission statement for this new relationship? Like, what kind of person do we want to raise and how are we going to be as we do it? And what are the things from our family lives that were so good that we want to bring into this next version of ourselves that's their own person? And what are the things we want to leave behind that didn't serve us? You know, because I definitely had, it's not like everything was sunshine and rainbows, you know. Right. I like that corporate approach. I like a mission <laughs> statement with a human. I think that's a really cool, I think it's a really cool idea. I like that. It's like a family mission statement. Yeah, 100%. Where and when were you happiest? Hands down, it's not even a competition. The first time I held my son in my arms, happiest moment of my life. Sounds cliche. No, no, no. I don't think, well, cliches are cliches because they're sort of repeated truths now. But what for you was that moment? I mean, yes, the joy of meeting this person that you've quite literally made inside you. But was it the fulmination of other things? I think for me, because I'm idealistic and I'm in my head a lot. And I always wanted to be an artist and paint pictures. And I thought being creative was my life's duty. And then I ended up not pursuing painting and I pursued business as my expression of creativity because I realized that that can be creative too. And that was going well. It's a roller coaster and interesting and somewhat self-defining. But then having the baby in my arms, like hands down, there's nothing more creative than creating new life. It's just the fulfillment of my body's ability to make something so special and beyond anything one could ever imagine because you don't know the future, you're not in control. It's the most beautiful moment. There's a lot of people who don't want to have babies nowadays. And I can understand why it's a crazy world to bring a child into. Yeah. But it's the coolest, most empowering, most creative thing in the world to make a human being. I couldn't agree with you more. It's astonishing. I think it's why men are so scared of us. Well, it's pretty powerful. Yeah, it really is. Superpower. When you were painting or when you were making art, even though there can't really be an equivalency of maybe making some art and like that creation of a human, but was there that feeling of the satisfaction of making something and the freedom of that and the uniqueness of making art? It was the ability to have the expression and control it, but with lacking the technical skill of the masters. Hmm. You know, I could like replicate, not like Malcolm Gladwell style blink replicate like a Van Gogh, but I could do a Starry Night. But it's not the same. You know, it's like having a vision in your head and being able to try to bring it out. I'm like super critical. You know, just the act of the expression, that's sort of like 
That's like running or taking a bath or drinking a glass of wine. Like that's a way to just get out your emotional, I don't know, that pent up emotion. But what I also wanted was to have the expression and then have the end result be super beautiful and reflective of what I had in my head. And I think that somewhere there was a disconnect and I let that go. Do you think that's why you could have your like life's work evolve into business? Because maybe there was a sense of like never being able to reach the place that you wanted to with your art. Or do you think that it just one grew out of the other? I think with the business, the beauty of the business being my sense of creative expression is that it becomes a living, breathing work of art mm. that evolves and affects people. And that you can shape a business in a way to affect people truly for good truly for changing the world. Whereas the work of art, at, at some point, it's static. Hmm. You hope it might move someone in one way or another. You hope it might have like gotten your, you know, yayas out or whatever by making it. But the business is like alive. Hmm. But it's still not as alive as a human. No, it's not. Hello. Jamila Jamil here. You may know me from my role in The Good Place or from She-Hulk or from social media and my activism. I Weigh basically started as a social movement and my podcast is one of my truly greatest achievements. It's a podcast against shame and a place for us to have really honest and truly inclusive conversations. I love connecting with people. I love learning. I have a lot to learn and I'm inviting you along with me. On I Weigh with Jamila Jamil, I have friends, activists, specialists and absolute heroes join me to teach me from their experience and expertise. People like Conan O'Brien, Jane Fonda, Roxanne Gay, Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Byer, Alok, Kelly Roland, and more. I Weigh with Jamila Jamil has new episodes out every Tuesday and you can find the show on earwolf.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women. And this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. What would be your last meal? My last meal would be, I mean, without a doubt, number one, it has to be with my dad, because it'll taste better. <laughs> but uh, it was our favorite food to eat together. My mom makes these samosas, which is an Indian thing. But my dad was from Tanzania, so they had the East African Indian version of the samosas a little different. So you can't just get it in a restaurant. Anything in a restaurant or any Indian food for me that I buy somewhere, it's not the same. But she makes these incredible samosas, my mom. And you take a bite and you squeeze some lemon. And it's like this perfect filo dough around this like heavily spiced ginger and garlic meat filling. And then my dad had this chai, his chai. I know how to make his chai. That would be my last meal. I would eat that every day if I could. I like that idea of like, yeah, it would not just be my last meal. It would be my every single day meal. Maybe she can teach Asha how to make it, but I don't have the patience to learn from her. <laughs> you know, that sounds like a very good granny, granddaughter pastime for an afternoon. Can you tell me about something that has grown out of a personal disaster? Well, I mean, I have two answers, so I don't want to... One is silly. You can answer both. I don't mind silly and serious. Tell me. We had this dog named Willie, and Willie was like, you know, like the love of your life. Oh, I had one of those. Yeah. He came into our lives before we had autism, and he was just this like perfect, aesthetically perfect being, and so intuitive. You know, like when my dad passed away, he wouldn't even let me go to the bathroom alone. Like, he just stayed with me. And then, uh, I mean, when Zane was diagnosed with autism, he wouldn't leave me. And there were times, like, we moved from this tiny little apartment in Jersey City to this weird Connecticut house. And there were times where I'd be putting Zane down and he'd be flailing around. And I don't know, he accidentally hit me one time. And it wasn't on purpose, but it made me cry because I just, it's just, every once in a while, just something makes you cry and you need to. And I just hear this, like, tick, tick. <laughs> this dog would come and he'd just like paw open the door and he would jump on the bed and he wraps himself around your neck and licks the tears off. Oh my God. And that was like my Willie. He was incredible. And uh, he ended up getting diagnosed with cancer and we went all in and we healed him. Actually, he was fine. He ended up passing away afterwards after conquering cancer with an accident. But before that, we took a biopsy and I found a place to clone him. Oh my God, are you joking? You cloned your dog? 
well, so what happened was, because Willie was so, I mean, he was like so special, you know, and we were so lonely and Zane knew him, my son knew him, and it's not like he loves all animals, but he knew Willie. And he had the makings of the perfect autism therapy dog. So I'm thinking, okay, well, if we can get him back, then we can train him and he will become the perfect autism therapy dog because he has that intuitive, it was uncanny. So I went ahead and pulled the trigger. I said, okay, do it. And then they implanted an embryo and it didn't work. <gasps> and they called me and they said, just, just keep going. And I said, okay. So they implanted another embryo, didn't work. So then the third time they said, okay, well, we can do two. And that way we'll increase the odds. Are you okay with putting two? And, you know, I'm just thinking, oh my God, two baby cute little willies. Like, of course, like, let's just do it. Like, and so the irony is... I have two Labradoodles. They look exactly like Willie. And because they're literally themselves, I couldn't then say, oh, no, we only want one because they're both Willie. But because there's two of them, they could never be an autism therapy dog because they have each other. Oh, my God. You can't train them because they have each other. They're like incredible. They're as human as Willie was. It's not like they're science experiments. And they look exactly like him. And they have many of the same characteristics. But they have unique personalities. Oh, my God. God, I wish I'd cloned my dog. I know. So now Joe and I have our own autism therapy dogs. <laughs> that is completely extraordinary. That's actually one of the best stories I think I've ever heard. But it's kind of off-brand. But it's <laughs> Actually, it's a reversal of that question. Or maybe it adds its own addendum. So in your life, can you tell me something that grew out of a personal disaster? Well, yeah, my dog died, but I cloned him. I'm going to try to show you what Willie looked like. I don't know if you can see this. Oh, my God. I'm looking at a picture of both of them. God, it is actually really weird. <laughs> You're looking at the same dog. That's wild. To me, anything is possible. So then why don't we have a novel therapy or preventative measure or a cure for autism? But if you ask me who changed your life, I mean, my son changed my life because it made me realize I have so much more to do. And I've learned so much. And see, what happens is when you've learned so much, because you can't help but create your own PhD and understanding what caused this, what could I have done differently? Removing the guilt, but what were the things I could have done differently? What would I do differently next time, which I did with Asha? That experience, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a place where I like want to plug a business, but Healthy Nest, my company, is that it is saying everything I wish I had learned about, like, if you're going to have a C-section, ask for a vaginal swab so you can maintain your baby's healthy microbiome from day one. You know, that becomes their immune system. Like, everything that I learned the first time around that didn't go right, that you can control, I want to share that with other people because I think it can be prevention. I think it can be proactively beneficial to our children's health. I think that's absolutely incredible. I'm not even going to cite the brand that I'm thinking of, but the idea of disseminating information that is really going to affect change, not just put an overly expensive bauble somewhere up your person to make you feel better, to really create a company that's going to affect change. I mean, that what you just said about the C-section, the vaginal swab, that's a game changer that nobody tells mothers that. That's free. In China, the autism rate's the highest in the world. It's one in 27 in Hong Kong. And in China, you know, the cities are like 25 million people. And in China, they have this thing culturally where they're really into uh, astrology and like numerology and... Being born on the right day at the right time. Ah, oh, so C-sections are really prevalent. And so you think you're doing this thing to have this fairly auspicious birth. Oh my God, look at that. So when the baby comes through the vaginal canal, whether this is empowering to the mother of having the birth you wanted or not, the baby's first exposure to bacteria happens then. 
comes into their mouth, into their ears, they're otherwise been sterile their whole life. And then the breast milk that you feed them or other milk, but it, it's the oligosaccharides in breast milk are the yin to the yang of the bacteria. So it feeds that bacteria and that becomes your immune system. And so if at birth, there's one thing you can do to be like, all right, if I end up having a C-section, I'm going to take, basically it's called a vaginal swab. And I did it with my daughter after trying for 40 hours. And we rubbed this gauze all over her, in her mouth and in her ears. And we've tested her gut health. And it is like A1 perfect. She's never had antibiotics. And I think it made a difference. I actually did a TED Talk in China and I said the word vagina on the stage and the translator stopped talking and everybody in the audience like freaked out and then the, he had to leave and then a woman came and took his place because <laughs> I was trying to tell them about that. A man couldn't even <laughs> say vagina. Oh my God. Oh my God. Shazi, I'm so fascinated. I've written about a million notes of things that I'm going to go and research. Thank you. Really, thank you so much. Of course, it's my pleasure. It's so fun meeting you. You can hear more from Shazi on her upcoming podcast, The Healthy Baby Show. The show will explore a number of debated topics in parenting, including control, postpartum health, fertility, gut health, and well-being. The trailer for The Healthy Baby Show will be released on March the 16th, and I'll be on her first episode on Wednesday, March 23rd. Mini Questions is hosted and written by me, Minnie Driver. Supervising producer, Aaron Kaufman. Producer, Morgan Lavoy. Research assistant, Marissa Brown. Original music, Sorry Baby, by Minnie Driver. Additional music by Aaron Kaufman. Executive produced by me, Minnie Driver. Special thanks to Jim Nicolay, Will Pearson, Addison O'Day, Lisa Castella and Anique Oppenheim at WKPR, Dela Pescador, Kate Driver and Jason Weinberg, and for constantly solicited tech support, Henry Driver. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast, will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Welcome to season nine of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. 
Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, Jamila Jamil here. You may know me from my role in The Good Place or from She-Hulk or from social media and my activism. I Weigh basically started as a social movement and my podcast is one of my truly greatest achievements. It's a podcast against shame and a place for us to have really honest and truly inclusive conversations. I love connecting with people. I love learning. I have a lot to learn and I'm inviting you along with me. On I Weigh with Jamila Jamil, I have friends, activists, specialists and absolute heroes join me to teach me from their experience and expertise. People like Conan O'Brien, Jane Fonda, Roxanne Gay, Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Byer, Alok, Kelly Roland and more. I Weigh with Jamila Jamil has new episodes out every Tuesday and you can find the show on earwolf.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts.